All right, y'all. Well, before we move into session two, um, the first thing I want to mention is that someone put their chewed gum on my breakfast plate. Wait, that was my plate. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Where's my plate? <laughs> okay, I was just wondering who or why that happened. So. <laughs> Okay, so I'm glad I'm glad we're able to talk about that. Yeah, it does sound like it was my fault. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks, Hannah. Um, so, so Sam, Sam just talked to us about our Bible reading as the foundation of our relationship with God. Something that goes hand in hand with that that we're now going to move into is prayer. And one, one thing I've heard from a handful of people in our church is that our prayer lives are sometimes duller than we wish that they were. Just want you guys to just think, think for a moment and think in your mind and come up with one word you would use right now to describe your prayer life. If you had to just pick one word. And why don't a few people just share that word? Sure. Be routine. And not necessarily in a bad way, but not necessarily in a good way. Mine's a hyphenated word. <laughs> Need based. Sure. One word I might use maybe right now is plateau. So, one, one thing that stuck out to me, um, Sam made this point when we were going through Luke, is you have in Luke chapter 10, Martha and Mary's story. And Mary's doing the one thing that's needed, right? She's listening to Jesus, and, and that's just what we heard about. Then, the very next verse is chapter 11, verse 1. So just pretend there's no 11, verse 1 there because that was just put in there after the Bible is written. This is the very next verse after Mary's doing the one necessary thing. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray. So, in Luke... He seamlessly weaves together scripture reading and prayer. And, and they're supposed to go together. And I think that one reason our prayer lives can suffer is because we can tend to disconnect these two things from each other. So, I think when we pray, or when we try to relate with God, we tend to think of, reading his word as like maybe a monologue from him. And then when we pray, it's a monologue from us. So it's just two separate things. And 
and monologues are not very fun. So like, let's say if Shar and I went out for coffee and, and she just talked to me for 15 minutes about whatever she wanted to. And I said, okay, that's great, now it's my turn. And I just start talking about something completely random and disconnected. Like how deep is my relationship actually gonna go with her? And I just wonder if some of us can tend to approach our prayer life in that exact same way not get great results, and then feel frustrated about it. So, um, when you read the Psalms, that, that is clearly a person who did not have a boring prayer life, the author of Psalm 119. And these are just two verses that stuck out to me. He says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. So this guy is loving the Bible all day and he's loving talking to God all day. And I doubt that he's putting them into separate categories. Like I doubt that those are uninteractive times between those two things. So both, both the scriptures are on this guy's mind and heart all the time. So the question I want to ask is, what is one practical step we can take to move in this direction of connecting our Bible reading and our prayer lives in order to have more rich and fuller prayer lives. I just um, took a look at a, a pretty popular book that came out a few years ago, and it's just called Praying the Bible by a guy named Don Whitney. He's at, I think, Southern Seminary. And he writes this about our prayer lives. When someone is born again, the Holy Spirit gives the person new fatherward desires, a new heavenward orientation whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, all those indwelt by the Holy Spirit really want to pray. So, so there's really good news if your prayer life is not fantastic right now, that you have the Holy Spirit, and that one of the reasons God gave you the Holy Spirit is that you, so you could pray. Like one of the main differences between a Christian and a non-Christian is we get to have conversations with God. And so his, his first point is don't, don't be discouraged. Like you, you are designed to talk to God. And so there is a way to get to where you want to be. Um, just like if LeBron James was having a horrible basketball season and was discouraged about it, you could say, dude, you were designed to dominate at this game. <laughs> like... Don't worry about it. You're going you're gonna to get there. And, and you guys are designed to pray and talk to your God. So, so we'll, we'll get there. Um, he writes, On the other hand, we struggle to pray for a number of reasons. One of the reasons Whitney points out is that we often get bored during prayer times because we repeat the same prayers over and over again when we pray. Like we just like go to pray and it's just like, all right, press play on my pre-recorded prayer script. And so he writes, I like this, one prayer does not a prayer life make. Prayers without variety eventually become words without meaning. We believe in prayer and the Spirit of God prompts us to pray, but because we pray the same old things about the same old things, it can seem as though 
all we do in prayer is simply heap up empty phrases. And while there's nothing wrong about praying for things that are on your heart over and over and over again, um, that's a good thing. If you just keep doing it in the same old way over and over and over again, it starts to feel empty and lifeless. So that's the problem. So what, what is a solution? A solution is, he says that when you pray, pray through a passage of scripture. So, so when I talk to, to an, an, someone who's thinking about Christianity or just becoming a believer, and I'm trying to explain to them what it's like to have communion with God, one of the things I say to him is, is it's so easy to talk to God. You just open up a, a passage of scripture, and, and you read that passage of scripture. And God's spirit is taking that passage of scripture and applying it to you. It's as if, it's as if he's speaking it to you afresh in that moment. And you can respond back to him with your own very words. And then you can go to the next passage of scripture and you can hear him speak to you with his words and you can respond to him with your words. And you can have a dynamic dialogue with him as exciting and rich, I'd say more rich than if you had a conversation with another person. I know Hannah mentioned she loves going out to coffee shops and connecting people. And I'm sure in those times there's rich exchange. And I think that one step we can take in our prayer lives is that prayer lives that are not monologues with God, but rich exchanges with God. So how does this work? So he just uses the classic Psalm 23 because it's such a classic psalm. And I just really like how he puts it. Um, So Sam taught us uh, hermeneutical and exegetical methods, like how do we carefully read a passage of scripture. And that's good. And, and we should try to think through scripture rightly. You do not have to be as rigorous when you're praying in response to a scripture. It can bring up something that the verse means directly. It can, mean, it can remind you of something else. God's not going to be displeased if a verse brings up something unrelated to the verse and you pray about that. So you don't have to feel like I have to be exegetically rigorous and use my tools to pray the Bible. Just read a verse and respond to it. Just like if you were in a conversation with someone you really enjoyed being around, you're not going to try to like have this super prepared response to everything you say. They say to you, you just kind of respond to what they say. And that's what a free and healthy relationship feels like. So he says, you read the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. And you pray something like this. Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. You have shepherded me all my life. And great shepherd, please shepherd my family today. Guard them from the ways of the world. Guide them into the ways of life. Lead them not into temptation. Deliver them from evil. O great shepherd, I pray for my children. Cause them to be your sheep. May they love you as their shepherd, as I do. Or sorry, may they love their shepherd as I do. And Lord, please shepherd me in the decision that's before me about my future. Do I make that move or change or not? I also pray for under shepherds at the church. Please shepherd them as they shepherd us. So just that one verse could bring up all of these different thoughts and things that you might pray about anyways. 
But then as you're praying, you're using the words and language of Scripture and the imagination of the images of Scripture in your prayers, and it's just going to enrich it. So it's not just you coming up with your phrases anymore. It's God's words that are going to shape how you talk to him. And it's just going to feel deeper and more rich. He, he says that a great way to start is to start with the psalm. So if you just, this method can be used anywhere in the Bible. But if you want to just get a very simple starting point, a great place to start is a psalm because the psalms are basically addressed to God already. Like they're praise songs addressed to God. So it's already doing what you're trying to do, which is talk to God. We want to talk to God. We don't always know how to talk to God. Good thing there's 150 examples of how to talk to God that we can open up whenever we want to and use that language to talk to him. So, yeah, I think that that method of conversation with God can help. I want to give full disclosure. There's a lot of flexibility for how this can work. So I really prefer to read a passage of scripture before I start praying. So like, I'll just read a chapter in the morning because I just want to get the flow of what the passage looks like. But then I'll go back and pray through it afterwards. So you don't, I'm not saying like if to do this method, the only way to have communion with God is to start your Bible in the morning, read one verse, pray, read one verse, pray. You can, if that's what works for you. Um, but you just have to do what works for you. I think Sam talks about this when we putt at golf. He's like, dude, just do what works for you. And when, when, you're, when you're doing your Bible reading, you just got to do what works for you. And if it works to do one verse pray, one verse pray, do that. But if you just want to read a whole chapter and then go back and revisit verses and just pray through those verses, I think that will make a big difference in what your prayer life feels like and what your prayer life grows to be like. And I've gotten to this place in prayer sometimes where it just feels like it's just free and I'm just, all sorts of things are coming to my mind that just feel like God's giving them to me and just really good prayer times. And I think this is a building block to getting there. Like getting to that point where you're just praying spontaneously and freely and it's just, you're so full of passion for God and you want to get there, you don't know how to get there, just start by praying his scriptures and, and, and just Listen to him and let him bring up things in your mind and heart that will help your conversations with him grow deeper and richer. Somehow I just lost my cell phone. Oh, here it is. just want to check how much time we have left. Okay. So I also want to give a few other tips for prayer. So that was my main point, is that we don't want to connect scripture reading and prayer. Luke doesn't disconnect scripture reading and prayer. Luke puts scripture reading and prayer together. And one way to grow our prayers is to put scripture reading and prayer together. I just want to give some other practical techniques to help our prayer lives. One, pray out loud rather than silently. Just talk out loud when you pray. I think oftentimes when we pray, we go into like a meditative trance and it causes our bodies to become tired and us to want to go to sleep because we're acting like we're sleeping. <laughs> and if we start to use audible verbal words, that starts to engage more of your body. Um, we're, we're in souled bodies. We're not just like souls. Like it's not like our body is separate from our soul and we pray with our souls. We pray, we're, we're whole beings, body and soul. And so when we pray, we should pray like that. 
our hearts pray and our words should pray too. Um, can pray too. You don't have to. And that can help your expression become more emotional, more rich, more tangible. Two, um, this was revolutionary for me. Is I've started to go on a prayer walk after lunch each day. This has been helpful for a number of reasons. One is it takes prayer from just being just something I do once a day or in the morning into something that I do throughout the day, or it takes me closer to that point. I know the psalmist says seven times a day I praise you. I need to work to get up to that. (laughs) But right now, I can take a prayer walk after lunch. And after you spend a little time with God in the morning and you go and spend time with him again, there's something about that that I think is just sweeter. It just feels sweeter. It feels richer. And the temptation is to rest over lunch is to use the internet. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I think that this is the biggest destroyer of our intimacy with God um, in your life right now. I watched um, a documentary that Lizzie recommended to me called The Social Dilemma about how they spend billions of dollars to get you to look at this for hours a day. And so I don't, this would be another talk, but I don't know, but to do what you got to do to get put timers on your phone for your apps or lock it down, but like, don't let this destroy your prayer life. Don't, don't let this destroy your prayer life. One, one super helpful thing about going for walks is it engages your body and that helps engage your conversation in prayer. Like, how many of you like to go for autumn walks with like your significant other or friend and find that conversation flows more freely when you're walking with them? Like, that'd be so much more fun than if I was like, Charlotte, I have a monologue for you. And just like sat here and like, told it to her that that's not very engaging that's not very fun I know, it's great yeah <laughs> and and it's like well why would why would we uh go do a beautiful thing like go for a walk with a friend or a significant other um in order to talk with them and enjoy them more but then when it comes to god i just close my bedroom door and stare at a wall and expect it to go really well and be really rich and really vibrant and Yes, if, if, if you approached a friend or another person only in that way, it would be hard to have a conversation with them too. So I, I think moving your body, being outside in God's creation is just going to help make your conversations with him more fluid, more full, more enjoyable, more rich. Three, set healthy expectations. Um, don't expect every time you pray to be radical and life-changing. Otherwise, you'll get discouraged and you might stop praying. So like, just use another example. So when I relate to Charlotte, all of our talks aren't life-changing and amazing. Sorry, babe. Um, it's true. And, but, but some of them feel that way. Like, wow, this was an unbelievable connection. And you don't have those unbelievable connections unless you have the ordinary connections regularly. So, so just, just be okay with having healthy expectations for your prayer life. Like, this is going to sustain me today. It might not be the most glorious ex- time with God I've ever had, but I want to get to that point, so I'm just going to have a conversation with him and, and wait for him to reveal himself to me. But if you don't do that, um, if you don't do that time of regular enjoying one another, 
you won't have those times of exceptional intimacy and exceptional communion with each other. And four, um, I've asked this question to, to a lot of different Christians in the past few years. And usually when I ask it, the answer is no. I ask other Christians who are going through something, and I should just ask any Christian this, but do you fast? And the answer is, is usually no. And, and I was thinking about the Gospel of Luke, and there's this amazing character in the Gospel of Luke named Anna. And it says, she was very old, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. So this is a woman who prayed for almost 80 years straight. And she found it enjoyable enough to pray 80 years straight. So we, we struggle, right, to pray for 15 minutes. She prayed for 80 years. So, so to me, I'm going to be like, wow, I want to learn from this woman. Like, how do you get to the level of praying for 80 years? And one thing we see in verse 37 is that she was fasting and praying. Um, in one quote from David Mathis, fasting is an exceptional measure designed to channel and express our desire for God and our holy discontent for, in a fallen world. I think we should consider being close to God and experiencing him as needing exceptional measures. That's like worthy of an exceptional measure to, to enjoy more of God. And if missing one meal a week or two meals a week or three meals a week is going to help me experience more of him, that's something I need to do. And just, just, my own rhythm of what I'm trying to do, and I'm honestly a little disappointed with how I've done lately, um, is just pick a day. I think I'm going to try Mondays because that just seems to be the day where there's the least things planned to interfere with it. And either pick miss dinner, miss lunch and dinner, or miss breakfast, lunch and dinner, whatever, whatever you want, and just spend that extra time praying. Um, I just don't want us to, to, to settle for mediocre prayer lives or to have prayer lives that are not great and not have tried everything to get them to grow. <laughs> like, the Bible says God is our life. His love is better than life. And we confess that and believe that, yet we don't do everything. <laughs> like, we don't do everything we can to help our prayer life grow. And I think those are just a few simple, basic practices we can try. Again, you don't have to do it like I do it. You can do it how you, you can do it. But if you're stuck, if you don't know, like, what does the next step forward look like? Um, those, those four or five things that I mentioned are, are simple steps forward. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I want us to have super healthy prayer lives. And, and I believe we can have them because, like I said at the beginning, we were designed to pray. We were designed to talk to God. And those are just some ways to get there. So... Yeah, thanks guys. Um, we get to split up again and, and discuss. <laughs> <laughs>